Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to my podcast, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I know I did. Uh, I got a chance to sit down with John Lithgow, who for decades has been um, so wonderful on stage, in television, and on the silver screen. He was uh, kind enough to drop by my office uh, in the last days of his performance as King Lear. He was performing in Shakespeare in the Park sporting a ginormous white beard. Uh, that production has since closed. It was a limited run, but uh, it was really nice of him to take some, take some time out to chat with me. He was promoting uh, a really wonderful small film called Love is Strange, which is well worth checking out. It's him and Alfred Molina, uh, very much a slice-of-life story of two gentlemen uh, in New York City in a long-term uh, love affair who marry and encounter uh, some unexpected difficulties. It's a... Uh, it's a good piece of work, and as I said, you guys should definitely seek it out. Um, John Lithgow is great. He's done it all. I certainly have reverence for many performances in his career, and he was very sweet to go down memory lane with me and discuss some of my favorites, um, if for no other reason, uh, uh, the chance to talk to him about Buckaroo Banzai. Buckaroo Banzai uh, was awesome. Uh, that and so much more in this podcast. As always, guys, please hit me up on Twitter, uh, Joshua Horowitz. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, and of course, please, please, please rate and review the show on iTunes. It is imperative you do that. That spreads the love, spreads the word. So thanks in advance for that. And in the meantime, here he is, John Lithgow. Um, Manny, feel free if you want to turn this off. Thank you. relief my previous office uh had a door that um half the time would lock so, so in such a way that where i was locked inside and i would have to call somebody in the hallway to get me out oh god i don't know what message they were sending me did you hear the steve away. all the steve post memoriams no. last week no oh the radio yeah yeah, yeah. No. i guess it, this is way before your time yeah. but i used to work in radio with steve post at oh, is that wbai right? and he has a great story about being locked in the bathroom when he was a <laughs> classical music DJ on the 30th floor he sneaked out uh, out of the window along a ledge to get back in to be there before <laughs> before the record ended <laughs> suddenly my travail seemed minimal compared to the great Steve Post that's amazing yeah and he was a famous coward he didn't have a courageous bone in his body <laughs> and, yet and he was yet... able to get on the ledge <laughs> short, right. there's, a, there's not a full narrative there's at least a short film in there somewhere yeah um, thanks for coming in. I mean, we're sure, we're sure. rolling if that's cool. It's, oh, that's it's, fine. It's the casual world of podcasting. Yeah, we can give a little she, Steve Post shout out. There you go. There you go. Um, it's <laughs> weird. When I um, first of all, regards from Mr. Kevin Klein, who is uh-huh. is going to be on the pa- he, we taped it, but the podcast is going to be up after this one. Great. great. And uh, he was saying he was going to try and catch uh, your Lear. I know you're in the last. Oh, I hope days so. As we tape this. Yeah, yeah. I missed his. Uh, but it would be nice. Sam Waterston came to see me. I saw his Lear. It's so a we were in a little club. Yeah, you know. he w- it was interesting. He was, uh, Kevin was saying that it's, I mean, it's such a iconic, powerful role it, it, that it, at times, and maybe this is the horrible, horrible thing to plant in your mind in your last couple days, but he said it's even like it's, it's wrecked some actors going forward. It's like, what do you do after Lear? Uh-huh. Um, are you finding it to be a transformative experience? Are you, well, is it a demarcation uh, point in a career? Is it... You feel awfully good that you've done it. Uh, it it's, a, it's the great bucket list role for actors. Yeah. Uh, I won't get to the end of my career without playing King Lear now. 
I never played Hamlet. Uh, but Lear is, it's, it's, it is a huge monster, uh, incredibly draining. However, I did find, rehearsing it and performing it, that it is doable. You know, it doesn't destroy you. Yeah. It, it is a part written for an actor. You just have to just play it so completely emotionally balls out. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, the first half has five colossal temper tantrums and the second half you go crazy and you die. I mean, it's a, a real gamut. Yeah. But it's actable and it, it does move people enormously. Uh, you know, people are coming up to me. They see me on the street on the Upper West Side these days and burst into tears. I mean, it really has <laughs> wow. affected people and, uh, and that's what we're in it for. So uh, we're obviously going to talk about your your lovely performance alongside Alfred Molina and Iris Sachs, who's who's always. Um, if you haven't seen the work of Iris Sachs, you I guys, have. Of course, I mean, of course, yeah. you haven't. I guess I'm speaking to the 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 audience out there, but like <laughs> I, you know, I've done Sundance a, a few times, and it feels like every couple of years, Ira comes in and just has something extraordinary. Yeah, he's the poster boy for Sundance. Exactly, but I mean, it, it's funny because like, as you talk about, and literally as we tape this, you are in the last couple of days of doing this this big performance at Shakespeare in the Park. It's funny when, when, from my perspective, when I'm talking to actors in the middle of a theatrical performance, it's like I feel guilty talking to them during it. I feel like you should be in like a hyperbolic chamber all day long, <laughs> and you're just waiting or in a coffin, and then it just it opens, and then you do your performance. Like, what have you adjusted how you operate the rest, the other 22 hours a day or 21 hours a day over the course what of your theatrical nice career? What a nice question. Very nice question, Josh. You know, I'm just sort of creeping out of my shell. I haven't been doing much of this because. I have felt a little monastic, uh, particularly the first half of the run and the rehearsals when I was, now I can sort of smell the hay in the stable. I know I will get through this, right. but there was a certain fear, uh, like all the energy I have, I, I preserved for those three hours in the evening. I wouldn't talk to people during the day, right. wouldn't have lunch with people. And uh, now I've relaxed a little bit because I know I'm gonna make it. Is that? <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's and it's not it's not uh, like emotional focus. Like I have to preserve all my all my deep feelings for the evening. It's just sure. pure physical. It's energy. It's yeah. pure. Yeah. Well, what about something? I mean, this is a relatively short run. I mean, you've done longer runs on the stage too. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you, I mean, you can't sustain that kind of thing. I would think for six months when you're doing something, you can't live a, the life of a. I don't think I could. I don't that. think I could sustain Lear, but I. It's not. It's 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 up there with the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah. But it's not the only one. I, I mean, I've done two Broadway musicals, which were equally draining. Sure. Uh, and I did Dirty Rotten Scoundrels for a year and a half, and that was easily as 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 taxing as King Lear. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it gets the same response from the audience too, <laughs> curiously. Uh, and and Butterfly, I would say, is right is is Lear sized. Right. And that was. I was younger. I mean, I'm also 68 now and uh, pretending to be even older than that. So right. it's you don't have that stamina. The, uh, I, I can't ignore the amazing mane of a beard that's sitting yeah, in front of me today. You. Don't you wish your, your listeners could see it? I mean, Google <laughs> beard John Lithgow. I'm sure you're going to get thousands of, of photos popping up. And um, it's longer now than ever. It is a thing of... You know, I look at the beard two weeks ago, I think, nah. <laughs> 
That's nothing. <laughs> this is just like a week's growth for you, right? This is months in the making, I'm such clearly. A, I'm such a mess. I, I look like such a bum. Yeah, are, you, are you looking for a good hobo role right after you finish? No, I, it all gets shaved and, and haircut on Monday morning at like 8 a.m., like after our Sunday night performance. The family and then I do an entire day of press feeling like a complete freak. <laughs> your hands are going to be all over your yes, face. Yes, I'm going to be so self-conscious. <laughs> So, um, like a bald mouse all day long. <laughs> Are there any pluses to having this insane, awesome beard? I think I, I think I look ruggedly handsome. I, I mean, I don't want to, you know, make your head explode, but you do. Well, you. it clearly identifies me as the guy who's playing King Lear. That's true. It makes me feel awfully good. <laughs> I would think this is the this is the biggest uh, it's ever gotten in your life, right? You don't have the yeah. time. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. To... It's been growing since June, uh, since February or March. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. you talked before. I mean, uh, about. What theater affords you in that you get roles like Lear, you can be mm -hmm. the guy, you can have these uh, amazing um, performances where you're the lead. And and what's one of the novel things about Love Is Strange is that you and Alfred Molina really have two juicy, awesome um, parts to chew into. Um, that must be a treat when something like this comes along. It's pretty special, yeah. And you're absolutely right. I'm so accustomed to playing somebody's father, father-in-law, grandfather. Uh, I have the, I now have a long list of major major stars who have played my children, <laughs> but that's not exactly a resume that you go around showing to people. <laughs> Do you keep a photo of like Paul Rudd in your wallet just to show off? As he's around? <laughs> right, like baby pictures. <laughs> I should, <laughs> but it's an amazing list by now. I'm sure. <laughs> Superstars. Exactly. I now have James Franco and Matthew McConaughey. You can take Amy Adams, Credit Leslie Manning. That's right. I gave them birth. <laughs> I gave them life. You get all the perks without the child support. Yes, it's perfect. Right. There must be an honorary Oscar for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, do you seek out a, a role like this one in Love is Strange, or does it just come your way? I mean, how does something like this manifest? So many jobs that come your way just fall out of the sky, yeah. and this, my agent called and said, ah, I think I've got something really special. Um, off the record, you know, I'm not, because it's not off the record at all. There was another actor playing the part, and a major actor, an actor I idolize, oh, and, wow. he, and he fell out. I don't know why he pulled out, because it's the most beautiful role, uh, but I'm glad he did. And when it came to me, Fred was set for it, and that this role was empty, so... I read the script and it was it's a beautiful script. Absolutely everything you see in that film has the has the beauty and power of that script. Yeah. You you get it reading the script. So I you know, it just trembled in my hands. I, I really hadn't read a, a script that true and real since Terms of Endearment. And it, it does, I mean, what you say is true. It, it, it lives in the real world. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's about sometimes the, the practicalities of life and, and, and just the, the things that, it's, it's so funny, we just don't see depicted on screen ever. Of, Certainly not among old people. Right. Uh, old, older couples. A portrait of a long, long life together and, and a relationship that's sort of gone beyond love. It's become a kind of symbiosis. Right. Uh, and had, had you met Fred before? Oh, yeah. You? Fred and I were pretty good friends. We weren't close friends because we hadn't worked together before, but uh, we have very, very good friends in common. Uh, 
I'd seen him backstage of his shows and he of mine. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his work. Yeah. And we're similar. We come from the same gene pool. We're both the theater-born character men who work both in America and England. I play Englishmen. He plays Americans. You That's know. True. Yeah. And uh, we're we look around for things that are that are other actors wouldn't touch. You right. know. We're character men. We play other people than ourselves. So I, when I saw that I read his part and mine in the script and knew he was playing it, I thought, this is going to be just gold. It's obviously a, a, a New York film. As a New Yorker, I appreciate that. Um, is it, uh, are, you, are you a New Yorker? Do you live here? Or do you just mm, I live forth? in L.A. but have an apartment here. Got and it. we're most, you know, when I do theater, I prefer to do it in New York, and yeah. I do that all the time, so... Do you have a strong preference either way for New York or LA? You found, found I would over the I years. would live in New York if I weren't married to a UCLA professor. I'm in Hollywood for all the right reasons, as far as <laughs> I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm a faculty spouse. <laughs> so, um, and did you do the festival circuit on this one? This, this premiered at Sundance. Oh yeah, Sunday? yeah. I went to Sundance, Berlin, uh, Tribeca, and uh, LA Film Festival. Amazing. For, saw it four times and cried every time. Do you find that invigorating? I mean, from my perspective, I, I, I've been to Sundance, I think, the last seven or eight years, and it's, it's just such a, I mean, beyond the, the, the hardship, quote-unquote, of the snow, it's just such a, it's a great energy to a festival where, yeah. where every year careers are made and, and, you know, a beast of the southern wild can come out of nowhere and suddenly yeah. a star is born. It's, yeah. There's something special in, in, this, in our jaded Hollywood system that that still exists. Pretty remarkable. I mean, and all credit due to Robert Redford for seeing the, potential and importance of that uh, to do something that, that's he created that something that's so far outside the orbit of the business yeah. that then became an important element in the business it's and yet retained all of its kind of maverick qualities yeah. he feels that it's lost a lot of that but I was there for the first time this year, and man, I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah, it still has it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember like five or six years ago, it was like the infamous year that like Paris Hilton showed up yeah. for no discernible reason. She was yeah. promoting a movie literally called The Hottie and the Naughty. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't to, to, it was not being featured in Sundance, but she was there nonetheless. And I think that yeah. was the year that poor Robert Redford probably lost it and said, what yeah. is, what's become of my, my, my baby. festival? Exactly. Well, he should still be very, very proud of it. It's exactly. remarkable. And look at what it did for Love is Strange. Exactly. It's, that came out of uh, Sundance as such a hot film. So I'm curious. I mean, we, we talk a, a little bit about the opportunity that uh, is afforded you by something like Ira's material. Um, has it been frustrating over the years that I mean was there a, a kind of a point of reconciliation where you were like okay I'm gonna if I'm gonna uh, get these meaty leading parts it's gonna be in the theater and that's fine or has it been a frustration point uh, over the years to, to, to think about it that way you know I've been frustrated from time to time it's an occupational hazard of the business you're, you're never doing as well as you think you should be doing even when you're doing great right uh, but I I I regularly count my lucky stars. Uh, the interesting thing about my life, if I can talk objectively and look back on it, is that it's been so varied. And I've always, out of oftentimes out of pure fear, I've mm -hmm. just gone and done something completely different because it was available to me because I felt that I wasn't succeeding in some other area. Yeah. You know, we're looking out your window, Josh. 
at the Marriott Hotel. Uh, that's built on the site of the Morosco Hotel, uh, Theater, where I had my Broadway debut in 1973. Wow. That was my first big break. I, I opened on March 7th of 73 and won a Tony Award on March 25th. That was my Broadway debut. That was one of about five huge big breaks I've had right. in completely different areas. Yeah. You know, if you think of uh, World According to Garp. Sure. Let's take a moment to think about Robin Williams. And then Third Rock from the Sun. And now, who knows, perhaps love is strange. I mean, these things that just come along, they couldn't be more different yeah. one from the other. Uh, and it's all, and then throw in things like writing best-selling children's books and performing for kids at Carnegie Hall. I mean, all these are such, uh, you know, I'm just as insecure as the next person. I'm, I, I'm, I'm sort of restless and think, oh, I've got to do something. Right. Nobody <laughs> wants me for anything, so I better do something. Throw another and ball I, in the air and And we'll I do see. something completely yeah. different, and it, it opens up a whole new horizon. A lot of this had to do with Third Rock from the Sun. Well, what, I mean, you, you mentioned Third Rock, and what strikes me about that character, among others, and even predating that, there are others I can cite, is such a, it's a, a courage to look like a fool at times in, mm -hmm. in roles. I mean, yeah. it, you're, and you know, it's such a far cry, obviously, from Love well, is Strange, which is a, a totally different kind of performance, but you can go so big yeah. and, and, and seem to revel in it. And, I mean, where did that courage come from, you think? Was it? The theater. Absolutely, from the theater. I mean, I, I have, I have a lucky background. My father produced Shakespeare festivals, and I worked for him uh, from the time I was a little boy right up until the time I was twenty, uh, and after and after that, uh, performing in Shakespeare festivals where I would play five, six different roles in the course of a summer. Shakespeare wrote extremely different plays. He wrote Hamlet, but he also wrote Comedy of Errors. He wrote King Lear, and he wrote Merry Wives of Windsor. And in any given play, there's all these wacky characters, especially the little parts. I was a young actor, so I played all the little parts. N Nim, Froth, Poins, Pinch. They all had one syllable, you know. <laughs> and they were wildly different. Guildenstern and Catesby... And I would play them on successive nights in repertory. And that was sort of the fun of theater for me. Well, I've sort of approached uh, my career that way. Yeah. And I love, you know, people tend to compliment me on the street for how many different things I do rather than for one single thing. And I, that's my favorite compliment. Uh, and, and I love doing it. I always feel like uh, I, I want everything I do to be as different as possible from what I just did. This weekend is the perfect example. I close King Lear on Sunday night. We have a big premiere for Love is Strange on Monday night. Now, what could be more different exactly. from those, than those two performances? Except that they're, neither of them is a comedy. You, you mentioned um, you know, people uh, appreciating the, the variety in your career. Yet I wonder if you can, how you can read people. For instance, if you look at me, take one wild guess on what the one performance is that resonated with me as a child that I'm going to obsess over for at least the next five minutes with you. 
Buckaroo Banzai? Of course. Of course. <laughs> You're one of my people, Josh. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, let's go down this rabbit hole for a moment. Yeah, okay. Because the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, if you haven't seen it, pause the podcast. Go see it. Because it does hold up, and I know that for a fact, because I'm such a diehard, I went to see you uh, when uh, Kevin Smith moderated something oh, yeah, a couple yeah, years ago. Oh, yeah, you were there that night. I went there. I dragged my wife. I'm like, she's like... What's it called? (laughs) She did appreciate it, so we're still married. Uh, (laughs) um, What a fantastically bizarre, deranged movie. I saw it when I was eight, so that might explain where I am now. (laughs) (laughs) But you were an adult man, so what's your excuse when you read that script? Well, the script completely bewildered me. In fact, I turned it down. I I could make no sense of it at all. But then uh, I met with... Uh, W.D. Richter and Earl McRouch, the director and writer, respectively, and I loved these guys. And I remember Rick saying, you know, why don't you do this? You know, worst case scenario, you know, you'll simply have a great time, you know. Right. Uh, maybe nobody will see this film, but you'll always be glad you did it. And, and I just thought, so often you just go with, with the people who pitch it to you. Mm. This happened with Third Rock from the Sun. When I would, met Bonnie and Terry Turner, uh, they were friends of mine. I, I, they'd been writers on SNL when I'd hosted. We'd become friends. My agent said, they want to have breakfast with you. And I thought, oh, great, I'd love to see Bonnie and Terry. I went to meet them at the Four Seasons in L.A., and there were Bonnie and Terry and Carsey and Werner and you know the whole gang, and I realized I've just been ambushed in, into a pitch for a sitcom. How do I get out of here? And Terry began by saying, it's about a family of four aliens. And I thought, man, <laughs> I am so pissed off so at my weak. agent. In five minutes, he'd totally sold me. Yeah. And it was because of him and Marcy Carsey and Tom Werner, just great people. I will, I'll go with these people. I want to work with these people. This happened with Buckaroo Banzai. It was so much fun. I mean, we laughed so hard. In fact, uh, there is a there is a sequence in Buckaroo Banzai between me and Chris Lloyd when you actually see me f- totally break up in the corner of the. Fortunately, the focus is not on me. But if you are a true Buckaroo Banzai freak, you will try to find that moment. I have my martial arts <laughs> for the rest of the day. I mean, we were just <laughs> laughing and laughing and laughing. And you know, an actress of a certain age saw this movie. She had been in My Father's Company. She'd been in Comedy of Errors, where I'd played Master Pinch. And she said, you were, that was just like your Master Pinch <laughs> when you were 17 years old. <laughs> so you ask where it come from? That's where it comes from. Did, did it come, I'm trying to get the sequence right. Did this come, am I right? This came after, right after the couple Oscar nominations in succession too. Uh, yeah. That's right. Which is kind That's of, right. Which is kind of Garp, amazing to think of. Terms of endearment, Buckaroo Banzai. This speaks to your judgment. And I'm <laughs> mean a lack of Or lack <laughs> no. of judgment. And you throw in Footloose in the Twilight Zone movie. Those all happen in a space of about three years. Amazing. And that happened when I moved out to L.A. to be with my UCLA professor wife. So I sort of backed into that one. 
that one, uh, I'd love to mention that one too because that also had an impact. And a great filmmaker, George Miller, who yeah. I, I got to meet for the first time recently, he's back doing Mad Max, which I could not be more thrilled oh, about. Oh, yeah, he's a, a mad genius. And so, but so gentle. Uh, the stuff he creates is so manic and, and amazing, but he's, uh, I don't know. What, how, could you talk to me a little bit about that performance? Incredibly that, uh, sweet, man. Yeah. I haven't seen him in all these years, but I was very, very fond of him. And he also, that was quite a significant film, The Twilight Zone, for me, because that was the first time, I'm sort of known now for a grand excess, but until then, every filmmaker I worked with, and there hadn't been many, th of course, they just kept telling me to keep it down, keep it down, you know, you're not performing for the last row. With George, nothing was enough. He would give me directions like, I, I'd like to see, I'd like to see your face crack. <laughs> like, boy, if you've got the right actor, and if I got the right director, more, more, you know, it was fabulous. And it's just this wild, out there performance, which is very much rooted in reality, yeah. you know. The uh, one, at least one other film that I want to bring up, um, and another astonishing filmmaker that uh, I have such reverence for is uh, Brian De Palma. Oh yeah, for a couple times, and, and the, the the one performance I, I do want to bring up because I don't think it's brought up enough is Raising Cain, uh -huh. which is um, it, um, you're the guy in that one, and you're more than the guy. You're the guy, the girl. You're a few people yeah. in that one. Five. In all. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. It's, 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 so it's five different performances in a sense. Um, I don't know, just what are your memories of, of, of that? Because De Palma is such a stylish filmmaker and his films really hold up. Uh, there's no better master of the medium. But um, was that a golden opportunity to, to kind of revel in yeah, multiple yeah. roles? Yeah, he, he, uh, and he called me early on. He said, this one's for you, John. And we, we I worked with Brian three times over the years. First time in 74 and Raising Cain uh, in it's like 89 or 90 or so. Yeah. And in the meantime, Blowout in right. like 81. And I loved working with him. He's uh, I was probably one of the few actors who loved working with him. I was going to say, because his reputation is he, not as difficult, but he's very specific. He's, he's and not very difficult. He's not di difficult at all. It's just that he's not cuddly. Right. He, he just doesn't bother with the usual... Uh, moist protocols right. of a film set you know he's just it's a business it's it's very businesslike for him and like hitchcock for him all the great fun was over as soon as start sh uh, shooting started he mapped out his shots it's, yes, what it's a necessary evil i think that's <laughs> what hitchcock called the shooting period yeah he would sit there in his director's chair with uh, earbuds in it and listening to the his walkman all day listening to bruce springsteen <laughs> Just waiting until they they needed him to say action, uh, and he, I mean, he was perfectly fine. I mean, he gave you everything you needed, and you knew he you were in fantastic hands because he hired great tech people, great cinematographers, yeah. and he was making a terrific movie. You just knew that, but he was just he didn't seem to be enjoying himself. I would go over to him and say, so, like. Uh, how was I, Brian? He would say, you're fine. I said, no, no, I mean, but, but was I good? Was I good? Yeah, you were fine. It, it, it really? Oh, come on, Brian, give me a hug. You know, I would just tease him and force him into being 
Yeah, you know, a, a, <laughs> a bu- human being, a bullshit artist <laughs> like all the rest of us. <laughs> do, you, do you find that the need for? I know that was kind of in jest, but does the need for validation ever go away? Uh, on never, a set? never. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy to think because I mean, you know, uh, you obviously know what you're doing <laughs> to say the very least, and yet you. I guess it's just a human. Oh, response. I am it's just, just as I'm just as uh, prone to terrible insecurity yeah. as anybody else it's 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 very hard saying your first lines uh, in a rehearsal or on a film set uh, you always you always think you're a jerk you know <laughs> it's always such a wonderful surprise and you realize wow I've done something really good here <laughs> have, you, have you ever taught uh, acting I mean it seems like you're I've such never a love of the I have you. never taught I have a weird sort of aversion to teaching. I think it's because my dad sort of fell between two stools. He was he was an academic and a theater professional. His all, Most of his theaters were university-based, like mm-hmm. the McCarter at Princeton or the Antioch Shakespeare Festival. And, and the pros tended to think of him as an academic, and the academics tended to think of him as a, a theater professional. And I don't know, it's made me avoid being a teacher. I talk to students plenty, sure. and I go and drop in and visit, but I don't presume to teach them anything. D- did, your dad, did your dad talk shop with you at all about your performances, or was it? Um, talk shop? Well, it talked, I guess, about the craft, about what you were doing, or was he not, was it too close, in a way? It was, uh, I don't really remember him. He directed me, I directed him. It was a business, you know. It was it was carpentry. Mm. Uh, he he his career kind of peaked at about the age sixty. He lost his last good job, and he, he never he never was able to. It's a kind of young man's game starting theater companies. Goodness sure. knows. And it was just at the point when I was taking off. You know, he was fifty. I was, he was sixty. I was thirty. We're 30 years apart, and that's when the changing room and all those other good things started coming along. He never felt anything but pride and joy. Uh, And uh, that, and I, you know, he had the opportunity to see a lot of what I did, and the first time I won an Emmy Award, I dedicated it to him, and it's wonderful to have that opportunity to pay back. He was a very gentle man. He was, in a way, too, too gentle for the business. He he never he never came and fought with the dragons in New York or Los Angeles. He always worked in regional theater, and he had very very fine taste. He had a very high bar for quality work. And uh, when I started doing, uh, you know, commercial crap. He, I just, ne- I never felt that he was judging me in the slightest. Right. So, he, he was a good dad. Did did uh did television change your attitude perspective? I mean, Third Rock was probably the first significant uh, role, and obviously Dexter has come since again, yeah. talking about the variety of, of roles. It uh, doesn't get much uh, different than those two. Um, did like did you uh, you talk about that initial meeting with the creators of Third Rock? Were you was there any snobbery about TV at the oh, time? Oh yeah, I. I it was one thing I was just never going to do. I was not going to do episodic TV. I was so intent on not being pigeonholed in one role. I considered Carol O'Connor a great, great actor who could never escape Archie Bunker. 
Um, but so, first of all, the premise of Third Rock was so gloriously liberating. I mean, here is a guy trying to figure out who he is and how humans behave, so he tries everything. Right. In a way, it's like playing different roles in this desperate need to fit in, which <laughs> this was uh, wonderful for a character man. And I loved Bonnie and Terry. They made me laugh so hard. Uh, it, it, they literally changed my life in the space of five minutes selling me on that premise. Because I, I, at the end of that meeting, I said to them, you know, if I do this, uh, you will have completely changed my life. Uh, and, I, and you will have gotten me at just exactly the right time. It, it came on the tail end of like three uh, penny dreadful villains in a row. I'd mm. played Ricochet, Cliffhanger, Cliffhanger yep. uh, and, uh, and Raising Cain. And, and I was a little worried that I was becoming this kind of cornball villain, sort of the, the new Basil Rathbone or something. And I thought, wow, this could be, <laughs> this will blast that one off the table. Yeah. And you know, it was just delirious fun. It was six years of laughing, just laughter all the time. I don't know if you're, you're able to add the, because uh, he really wasn't even your son, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt deserves a little photo in the in the wallet as well next to uh -huh. the others. Yeah, yeah. Must, it must be a, a marvelous to see sort of what's what's come of him. It's great, great joy. Just a great joy. And he's, he, everybody can tell. Everyone agrees. He's just handled it so beautifully. He's yeah. made this transition better than anybody. There's been nobody like Joey. I'm the only one who still calls him Joey. <laughs> <laughs> is there, uh, I know you have another uh, play in the offing. Yes. Uh, yep. uh, is yep. there, you've crossed Lear off. Do, are you the kind of person that needs to put another name at the top of the list, something to get to at a certain point? I, really, I really don't do that. I, I mean, I'm working on a couple of things, developing a couple of things that are extremely exciting. Um, uh, and two of them are theater, and three of them are high-end television, and one of them is a movie that I've written uh, or adapted from a book. And, well, that's a lot more than a couple of things. None of them may happen. Right. One of them may happen. What's most likely to happen is somebody will get some other idea and just present it to me, and I'll say yes. Because uh, that's when all the best things happen. That's how Love is Strange happened. Uh, in our last remaining moments, I've got this strange Indiana Jones fedora with a series of random questions mm -hmm. sitting in front of you, sir. Would yeah. you care to dip your hand in and sure. see what, what fate has in store for you? Oh, yeah. What, a, what fun. And <laughs> when do we'll I get see. to take pictures of being smart, happy? Happy, sad, and confused. Yeah, like yeah. Warned. Oh, I've been warned. I've been It's coming soon. In 20 years, I will be... 88 years old, Will you be if I'm very, very oh, lucky. You'll be, you'll be there, don't worry. Will you be acting? I'll probably be acting. My fondest wish is that I die during a curtain call. <laughs> That's a good way to go. <laughs> It'll be noteworthy. Uh, shall we try one or two more, sir? Sure. This is kind of fun. We'll see. My first celebrity crush. <laughs> My first celebrity crush. Or your latest celebrity crush. Who's on your mind right now? <laughs> uh, my first, that's an interesting question. 
uh, I was madly in love with Lee Ullman. And then I met her, worked with her, and had a year-long affair with her. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the first time I've ever said that out loud. <laughs> I believe she has a new movie coming out. I can bring it up oh, with really? her when, uh, in Toronto. Di- yeah. That she's directed? I think so. Yeah. She's fantastic. I'll <laughs> well, give her your regards. Please give her my regards. <laughs> I don't think we can top that. Maybe we should end it there. <laughs> well, as we, as we said, the movie is called Love is Strange, and that's, and that's right. very apt. <laughs> what could be more apropos? <laughs> um, it is such a pleasure to have you here, sir. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you, and Josh. get back into your hyperbolic chamber. You've still got a little weird to do. I've got to spend some time recovering from this interview. <laughs> <laughs>